Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome once again to Answering the Call. As Mother Angelica has done so well over so many years, these are classic recordings from the phone calls that came into our great live shows from the 80s, 90s through 2000. I'm Doug Keck along with our EWTN chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. We'll be taking a look at some of those phone calls, about four of them today. How are you, Father? Doing well, and uh, I think the first one especially is one that's relevant to all of us. We live very busy, active lives. Well, how do we have a prayer life in the midst of all of that busyness? Right. How can I improve my prayer life is first. Then we've got purgatory, uh, helps get rid of rust. That's a, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Be a thorn in somebody's side. Now, that 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 sounds like one that you've got to mm-hmm. hang around to hear what Mother <laughs> had to say. And also give God a chance. But let's talk about first, how can I improve my prayer life. Is that a question you get a lot? Sure. And uh, often in uh, the confessional, I'll ask people, you know, how's your prayer life going? Well, not too good, Father. Or, you know, it, it could be better. And I think we all can say that. It, all, it could be better. But I think Mother gives some very practical advice of how to begin the day and just make an offering of that. Especially for this medical student here, he's going to be dealing with patients and their sufferings and how to bring the compassion of Jesus to those that you're serving. Yeah, one of the points I thought that she really made here, it's a very simple one, but it was one I had never thought of. Uh, You know, you think of deep theological understandings of prayer life, but she talked about something called a short act of love. When you go from room to room, just say, Jesus, I love you. Mm -hmm. These little aspirations are powerful, and Teresa of Avila said they make our heart warm. (laughs) When you just make a little act of love as you're going from here to there, maybe you're taking a shower and you're saying some prayers or getting ready in the morning. In those little moments, don't waste them. Or when you're traveling in the vehicle, they can be little moments that are precious moments of offering a short burst of prayer. And as you noted, uh, with him being somebody who was studying to be a doctor, he needed that reservoir because he needs mm-hmm. to be able to see Jesus in all of all of his patients going forward, as Mother alludes to. Yeah, I remember having on my, my program, the Church Universal, the Catholic Medical Association. What a beautiful group of uh, physicians and healthcare professionals. And that's really at the heart of what they're doing. They want to see Jesus in those they're serving. They want to bring the compassion of Jesus to them. That's what the medical profession should be doing, right? And I would also think, too, in in the world we live in today, you need that prayer life, you need that sustenance, because it's so easy to be overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. distracted, and burn out, right? So she talks about going to that quiet room, too. We need that little retreat. We need that silence just to get our sanity in this very loud, you know, world that we live in, to have those moments of quiet heart-to-heart with the Lord. Let's see. How can I improve my prayer life? What does Mother have to say? We have another call. Hello? Yes, hi, Mother. Hi. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm calling from Detroit, Michigan, a 27-year-old medical student. Uh-huh. And uh, it seems to me that I run a fairly busy life. And I try to pray in the morning, and I try to pray at night before I lay my head down. And uh, my day is very busy, and uh, I try to incorporate the trust of, of the Lord in my life. But I find it difficult a lot of the time because of the busy schedule. I'm sure a lot of people experience this as well. Yeah. And I was just wondering what you do personally to strengthen uh, your will in, in, in letting go a lot of the time during the, the busyness of the day when you find yourself maybe being distracted. 
wondered what you know kind of practical advice you might offer to me and to your viewership. Yeah, well, I think there's some practical steps. You know, we're poor, weak human beings, and we're going to get distracted, and, and sometimes we forget. But um, I tried uh, myself, when I see someone that's very ill, or I listen to somebody's problems, and I see Jesus. I live in a monastery, so every hour a bell rings, you know. That would set you crazy, but you have other things that set you crazy, like... Um, you're doing. You're taking care of one patient, and then there's an emergency. There's little times in your life that you can set as as um, as uh, a, a opportunities to make a short act of love. When you go from room to room, say, "Jesus, I love you." Uh, give your entire day to the Lord. I say something every morning, and I'll share it with you. That kind of helps me. Plus, I've made the, the demand for a consecration to Our Lady, and so I know she's going to take off good, bad, and different of everything I do. But I say every morning a little prayer. I say, Eternal Father, I unite all my thoughts to your, uh, to your thoughts, united to the thoughts of Mary. Eternal Word, I unite all my thoughts with Mary's thoughts, well, my words with Mary's words, and I unite them to you who are the Eternal Word. Holy Spirit, I unite all my love and work to the love and work of Mary, and I am to you who are infinite love and unceasing activity. And I say that as soon as I get up in the morning because I know my poor little mind. And then I have a watch I don't have on now, and I got it set. Now, because I'm going a little deaf, I don't hear it. <laughs> but everybody around me hears it, see? And they say, Mother, what is that? Where is that song coming from? And I say, oh, thank you very much. It's my watch. Did I turn it up? And I make an act of love. Sometimes at 3 o'clock, it might be nice for you if you have a watch to set it for 3 o'clock. And say an act of love to the Lord for his passion. It isn't very hard. You're, a do you're studying to be a doctor. See Jesus in those patients. Be compassionate. Be a compassionate doctor. Listen to all the minute details of their illnesses. Even though you think you already had the diagnosis, if you want to be Jesus in the kind of work you're doing, be the healing Jesus. If there's one thing people need in a doctor is a doctor who sits there as if he had nothing else to do and listens. The love that comes from that kind of doctor heals before any medication heals. The doctor that could put their hand on the shoulder, patient's shoulder and say, I know it hurts, but let's see what we can do about it. That's just not prayer. It's the love of Jesus coming through. I don't know what kind of a doctor you're studying to be. It doesn't matter. God is going to send people who hurt to you. Let your prayer be the manifestation 
of the healing physician to your patients. Let every patient feel they have come in contact with Jesus when you leave the room. You know, I think your patients are going to really be healed. Because from someone who's been sick a lot, <clears throat> my poor self, it's important that a physician believes what you're saying, has compassion and love. You do that, and you will be one of the holiest physicians this country's ever known. Without that, you may heal, but you won't heal the whole person. That other element that's hardly ever touched today by a physician. Next up, as we wrap up the second half of the first part of the show, is going to be Purgatory Helps Get Rid of Rust. So we talk a lot about purgatory. Mm -hmm. People have a lot of questions, especially right. this time of year, about purgatory. Do you hear a lot about that? Yes, there's questions. I remember going to the shrine, and these uh, uh, non-Catholics were there, and they said, well, where's purgatory in the Bible? And so I tried to explain to them, imagine... Of course, I, I quoted a couple of scripture passages, St. Paul speaking about our work being tested by fire. But also I said, imagine that uh, you come to eternity, these two men, they've been at odds with each other and they've never been reconciled. Well, if they've never been reconciled and yet they haven't deeply offended God, somewhere that has to be reconciled, right? So either one or both have to be purified so that they can be ready for the communion of the saints in heaven. Right, and Mother talks about uh, with the rust comes in, she, uh, purgatory, sweetheart, you're rusty. You're not going to get into heaven, like you said, like that. I can't imagine you walking into the kingdom of God and everybody going, ugh, where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. So really, pur purgatory is a doctrine of mercy. So if we're not right yet ready for the perfection and the beauty and the glory of God, and we'll want to be purified. We want to be cleansed so that we can enter into the fullness of that life. So as Mother says, purgatory helps, and it also gets rid of rust. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. Where are you from? I'm from Wisconsin. Hey, what is your question? I, I know we pray for the souls in purgatory, but yeah. I was wondering, uh, do they pray for us also? Are they able to pray for us? Mm -hmm. Their prayers for us are very powerful. Very powerful. They pray for you because they're grateful for your prayers. They know they're not going to perform some miracle for you like the saints in heaven, but they will pray for you. They'll pray for you even more when they get to heaven, when they're ready to see God face to face. We have a Mass every week for the poor souls in purgatory here. And after every grace meal, every prayer of grace, we say the eternal rest. Because today, since purgatory is so belittled and disbelieved and not preached from the pulpit, I always wonder what they get, you know? I'm wondering if they get any relief because no people are taught there is no purgatory or they're, they're, everybody goes straight to heaven. And it's logic, pure logic without faith tells you if you're a drunk and you die in the gutter, you go straight to heaven. Uh, does that make sense to you? It'll make sense. Where are you going? Maybe you're repentant. 
maybe five minutes before you die, you realize all you did, and you say, I'm sorry, Lord. Did you think this is saying, I'm sorry, shoot you straight up there, and, and you say, Jesus, here I am, move over? I mean, is that what you think you're going to do? Where's my mansion, Lord? Well, let me tell you a few things. If you send straw up, St. Paul says, that's what you're going to get, straw. You gotta be that rust, you know. I we had a we have a coal stove, and somehow the the rain got down the flue pipe, and we went to look at it one day, and it was all rusty. I mean, rusty. So poor sisters, uh, 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 and nothing looked like the whole thing was rust. So we had to take the whole thing apart and send it to this uh, foundry and get it redone. Purgatory. <laughs> You're rusty, sweetheart. You're rusty. You're not going to heaven like that. I can't imagine you walking in the kingdom, everybody going, ugh. Where did you come from? You can't go to heaven all rusty. No more than we can use that stove. Now when it comes back, it's going to be clean and painted and it's going to be brand new. Well, that's purgatory. If that stove had feelings, they'd say, I don't want to go on that fire. I don't want the rust off of me. I'd say, you look ugly. Hell is was when, if the stove would say, I like this rust. I don't want to go to your heaven. That's hell. But if that rust was able to see itself and it would say, oh, I look terrible. I love these sisters. They've been good to me. I haven't flipped my rocker. I'm just making a point. I want all this rust off of me. I want to be, I want to look beautiful. That's purgatory, you see. And heaven is being beautiful forever. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And we do appreciate you staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Doug Keck here with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Let's see what's up next, Father. We've got Be a Thorn in Somebody's Side mm. is the Call. Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting. You know, Mother said that to me one time. She said, you know, sometimes we're other people's purgatory. We're a thorn in their side. We don't necessarily want to be, but if we stand for something, then some people are not going to like that what we're standing for. Of course, what, we're, what are we standing for? What is true? What is good? What is beautiful? Right, and I think w- with that idea is, is, is kind of like dealing with Laodicea. You know, if you're lukewarm, our Lord mm-hmm. will switch you, you. You need to be there as a reminder, not only in your own life, but to other people of how mm-hmm. we need to work on perfecting our faith-like walk. And he, she said, as a good Catholic, you need to be a thorn in somebody's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she talks about, you know, the church doesn't have opinions. The church possesses the truth mm-hmm. and is bound to give you the truth. In which case, sometimes, like a parent has to do with a child, you're going to be told things that you don't want to hear. Yes, and the gospel is always calling us higher 
to a higher life, to conversion, to deepening our life with God and being faithful to God and growing in virtue. That's not always easy or welcome, even in ourselves, right? And But the church is an expert in humanity. She has 2,000 years of experience over cross, many cultures and peoples and nations. And so the thing, uh, like, for example, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a 2,000-year compilation of wisdom of reflecting on God's Word, the deposit of the faith. Right, and again, you know, sometimes when a uh, mother is a thorn in people's sides, it's because they have a side that needs a thorn, as St. Paul apparently found out. Let's see what Mother had to say. We have some questions. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. And where are you from? I'm from Arkansas. Wonderful. What is your question? Um, first, I want to say that I love you very much, and I'm a convert, and you've helped me more than you'll ever know. Thank you, Jesus. And congratulations on being in so many homes. Oh, isn't that great? It's wonderful. Praise God. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, I have a friend who has the attitude of, well, we should just pray and let the Holy Spirit take care of these things that are going on in the parish or the parish school or so on and so forth. And I want to get in there and do things. And I have so much trouble trying to determine, should I pray or should I be called to action? Both. Both. We're all getting like something like the Church of England uh, during the time of Cramner. The people let it go. First came, the, I told you this a couple of weeks ago, first came the vernacular, and then they started taking the altars out and making them little, really, they look like these, uh, what are you putting back as sofas? And, uh, you know, these little tables, they're about this big and, and that wide. And, and then all of a sudden, there comes a, a no church at all. It's so different. You, you, you have it today. There's some churches in America, you, you can't tell they're there. They don't even look like good Protestant churches, you know. There's nothing there. There's two things we have to be careful of. <clears throat> As a good Catholic, you need to be a thorn in somebody's side. You need to be a thorn in somebody's side. If you're for truth, then you're going to be a thorn in somebody who does not believe the truth. What else are you going to be? I'm not going to pat you on the back. Then you have to be careful of pride. We do have it. We have it all together. We belong to a church. We belong to a church that has a deposit of faith. What does that mean? It means we have the whole truth. We have the whole truth. There's nothing in the church, as far as truth, that we lack. That's what deposit of faith means. It means, if there's any question, faith, or morals, or doctrine, or dogma, the church has it all. It's not my opinion. Who cares for my opinion? That's stupid. We are interested not in the opinion. The opinion doesn't, the church doesn't have opinions. The church possesses the truth and is bound to give you the truth. Now, you can say the church is not compassionate. 
the church is judgmental. <laughs> you ever read this book? I would suggest it. <laughs> I would honestly suggest it. Because God gave us 10 commandments. You can't make nine out of them. You can't make 12 out of them. There are 10. You can say it's not with the day. What day? Can you tell me anything about this world at this point that's loving or holy or just? <sighs> read the good book, read the catechism. Two things you need today and that is all. You can do a lot of spiritual reading, but if you want to know truth, you take this book and you take the new catechism. You got it all. The deposit of faith, spread it. Give it to somebody. Read it and know what you're talking about. Now when they come out and say, well, you're not with this culture. What culture? We're brothers and sisters. What are you talking about culture? If I love you. When I went to Mexico, and I went to Guadalupe, what a place. Was the culture different? Oh, they danced different. They, when I saw those women going up from the piazza, all the way up on their knees, I like that culture. Is it different than mine? Yeah, I can't walk on my knees. But I can be edified by that person who loves God. Our general culture is to love God. And we express it in different ways. And we call that expression culture. And when you take that away, you have nothing. Nothing. So what I would say to you, sweetheart, is pray for them, for yourself. Be ready to and willing to define and defend your faith. That's You need to do that. That's what we do. You're not liked by anybody, but we're not here to win a popularity contest, you know. We're here to preach the word. Not our words, but the word in the church. And closing up our program for this week, a phone call that's entitled, Give God a Chance. And it's interesting because the person who's calling says, I didn't want to be a Catholic because it just seemed too hard. Mm -hmm. Too many demands, right? But then she heard the Lord say that it's not supposed to be easy. We're taking up our cross and we're following him because we're called to more. We're called to love. We're called to sacrificially love. And as it said, love sometimes hurts. But love also is the most beautiful thing that we can do is give of ourselves and experience even the sacrifice of love. Right, and she also talks about the fact Mother does the idea that, you know, remember, the Lord has never strayed away from you. You may have strayed away from Him, but He's still there with you. All you big sinners out there. <laughs> she would say that at different times. And it was a way in which, with a little humor, she really could call them back. So she definitely would suggest that you give God a chance. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Where are you from? Wyoming. Wyoming. Wonderful. And what is your question? I just had a comment. Oh, about four years ago, I was living in a lot of sin, and I, although I had a really good friend that was a priest, and I decided I needed to go to confession to him, um, even though I didn't really understand it, just to get the uh, burdens off my soul. And after confession, I just felt really, really wonderful and 
went up and knelt before the crucifix and um, thanked Jesus for forgiving me. But I told him I still didn't want to be a Catholic because it was too hard. I thought all the prayers and the regulations and the holy days and all that kind of thing. <laughs> you don't <laughs> and, have to worry about holy days anymore. <laughs> anyway, I, um, I, as I knelt there, I um, was right in front of this huge crucifix, and I heard in a very loud voice, I never said it would be easy. Take up your cross and follow me. And and I received another miracle the same day I was an alcoholic and had decided for this priest to give it up as long as I could for his special intention. And four years ago this May, I've never taken another drink and never even wanted one. Thank you, Jesus. And I guess my encouragement is for all the 10 or 12 years that I was searching, I always felt like Jesus was so far away and that he was kind of on the other edge of the cliff and it would take such a long fall to get to him and I was too afraid. And I found through that experience that you never have to worry that he's there and he'll never let you fall and he'll only lift you up and all you have to do is trust in him and he will just bless you with abundant graces. You see what we don't realize and all of you big sinners out there, you say, oh, what are you, who are you talking about? Well, a lot of people out there are big sinners, you know? Meaning you're really straight all away from God. You've got to realize that though you have strayed from him, he has never strayed from you. That's the important thing, you see? And if you just give him a chance. Some of you listening right now, you've had abortions, some of you have stolen money, some of you have lied or slandered other people or guilty of calumny, and, and, and you, you maybe were cruel to your parents or your parents abusive to you. All these very hurting things. Why don't you just kneel down now and say, Lord, I want you in my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I, I want you to forgive me. And, and if you're Catholic, go to your nearest priest tomorrow. Don't wait. I mean, you carry a load on you, a load of sin that is unbelievable. You need to get rid of that. There's nothing in this whole wide world like a sinner who goes to confession is totally absolved of all their sins. They walk out there, out of that box like a free. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.